you and ours online at baandme.com and on Instagram and Facebook. And from listeners like you. Welcome to the local edition, news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Coming up in the second half of the program, we get the latest on jobs and the economy. It's Work Shift Live with James B. Huntington. But up first, it's the latest news around our area with our weekly news roundup from the award-winning River Reporter. And we talked to the award-winning reporter, Liam Mayo, from the River Reporter. Liam's on the phone. Welcome back, Liam. Thanks for having me back, Jason. So I guess to get started, I guess there's a development in that, um, if people might remember, uh, um, was this just this past January? It's almost a year ago that there was a fire where Billy Steinberg died, and then, you know, that led to the whole Billy's Law thing. There's a development in that case? Yeah, um, it's sort of the closing of that case. Um, So for those who may not have been following this, um, last January, uh, an individual named Muhammad Islam set multiple fires over multiple days and was released sort of of his own recognizance because of the statutes of bail reform. And at the last of those fires, uh, the Forsberg Fire Department responded, and Forsberg Fire Department Assistant Chief Billy Steinberg passed away due to a heart attack while fighting that fire. Um, after that incident, uh, Mohammed Islam was arrested and held for a manslaughter charge um, in Billy's death. And almost a year later, he was sentenced for that uh, charge on Monday. Um, there were a couple of details that came out at the sentencing hearing about his case um, that we hadn't heard before. Um, according to his defense lawyer, um, he had just been homeless in the area and was sort of breaking into places and setting fires to keep warm. And his um, this lawyer called that an atrociously stupid action. Um, I think he used the phrase stupid on steroids, but said that it wasn't out of any kind of malice and that there was remorse for his actions. Um, But sort of the fact of the matter is Billy Steinberg died, and because of that manslaughter charge, um, Islam was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Okay, that's the latest on that. Yeah. Um, and so that that is like sort of the closure of that. But the other thing I wanted to mention about it is directly after the sentencing hearing, um, a number of members of local law enforcement um, assembled at the DA's office or the district attorney's office to hold a bit of a press conference pushing for Billy's Law, which is a piece of legislation introduced after Billy's death to reform bail reform and uh, keep third and fourth degree arson out of that statute. So allowing people to hold people if they're arrested for the crimes of third and fourth degree arson, 
like Mohammed Islam was. So it would, in theory, prevent the thing that happened to Billy Steinberg from happening to anyone else. Um, there was, or at least personally, I was curious to see whether that mo- energy behind that would die down a bit, um, because Senator Martucci was the senator who kind of introduced that bill, along with Assemblywoman Aileen Gunther, and Martucci is leaving office this year. Uh, he did not run for re-election, um, but sort of, it, it does seem like there is still significant energy behind that, and that'll be something to look at going forward. Right. I will say that the reporting that I heard at the time, you know, sometime in the past year from the Sullivan County Democrat is that they checked in with the Brennan Law Center. Brennan Law Center said that uh, regardless of bail reform, that that the judge in that case didn't have to let uh, that that suspect go, that bail reform, you know, didn't actually prevent that judge. It was the judge's own choice. Even with the bail reform law, the judge could have chosen to not release uh, that suspect. But that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that's not reporting I'd heard, but I, that would make sense. Um, it, we, yeah, the political, the, the like political push for Billy's law was sort of um, started from Billy Steinberg's family. This wasn't like politicians coming in and making an example out of a case, but even a lot of the language in the sentencing case from the judge and from um, people talking during that hearing was very politically charged and very against bail reform. So it's definitely possible that the rhetoric around it has sort of gone a little faster than some of the details. Yeah. Well, that because especially because the rhetoric around bail reform has been the same before and after bail reform was passed. I'm just saying you're in the, the same people saying the same things regardless of what was happening on the ground because they were saying it before the law was passed. They were saying it before the crime rates went up. And, of course, crime rates went up everywhere, but um, not everywhere had New York's bail reform law passed. Um, moving on to other news in the area. Um, the town of Highland, we've been following up on town of Highland and what their situation is with law enforcement. Uh, where are they now with that? Yeah. Uh, so for more on local law enforcement, um, the town of Highland in, at its December board meeting finalized a contract with the Sullivan County Sheriff. I believe there are a few signatures and things that need to happen, but the details of a contract with the Sullivan County Sheriff are now out. Uh, the sheriff is going to provide the town of Highland with sort of the coverage it used to get from its constable's department. Uh, that coverage will be uh, from April 15 through October 15, um, on Fridays from 4 p.m. to midnight, on Saturdays from 8 a.m. to midnight, and on Sundays from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., um, the same is going to be true during the rest of the year, too, but uh, the winter months aren't going to have that Sunday time. And the whole thing will cost the town of Highland uh, $100,000, sorry, $104,000. So how, how those are, are they, the details we have up now. How are the folks in the town feeling about this? Um. There was a little pushback at that meeting against uh, the idea of disbanding the constable's force. 
um, former town clerk Doreen Hansen uh, spoke at that meeting and said that since the beginning of Highland, it's always had a constabulary and suggested that there be a public hearing on whether to disband the constable's force. Um, even though Highland has uh, contracted with the sheriff's department now, it still hasn't officially disbanded its constable's force. Uh, that force is still suspended, as it has been since April, um, pending investigations. So um, even though it seems to all intents and purposes like the sheriff's department has come in and replaced the constables, right. what happens with the constables is still a bit of a lingering period that needs to be put on. Are they are they not officially disbanding it pending uh, what's found there because there because there may still be some use to it like a, a different situation beyond this agreement with the sheriffs uh, at a later date. Um. So I think um, from that meeting, it seems like once the town board approves the contract and once the county signs off on it the town does plan to disband the force. So it, it looks like it's until the I's are dotted and T's are crossed that they're waiting to do that. All right. And then finally, um, I know you're looking at Long Eddie uh, participating in Wreaths Across America Day, Wreaths for Veterans. Uh, uh, and that was this month? That wasn't last month for Veterans Day? What What is this? Yeah, so um, this was on December 17. Um, this was sort of wreath laying that spanned all across the country, uh, laying wreaths at the grave sites of veterans. Apparently, this was a nationwide effort sponsored by the organization Wreaths Across America, so as the name. And apparently it was started by uh, Maine businessman Moral Worcester in 1992 to pay tribute to deceased veterans. Um, so this, the local one here was under the auspices of Allen Milk Memorial VFW Post and the Long Eddy Hose Company. Um, so yeah, it's just an, uh, sort of another um, occasion for... Uh, paying honor to veterans. All right, and it's not—it's not a time that, that I expected it, but it's great, you know, great to know that that's going on here, even with everything else that we got going on this month. Uh, Liam, I hope you've got something good going on this weekend that you'll be able to take a break and enjoy uh, uh, at at your own speed. And then we're going to talk again next week, and it'll be our last news roundup of the entire year, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty two. How about that? How about that? Yeah. All right. Well, I, I hope you're able to get some rest too, and I hope the news sort of sleeps for a bit and <laughs> uh, doesn't keep you busy. We'll see. The news never sleeps, but uh, if it does, we'll take a nap as well. Leah Mayo, River Reporter. Thank you so much, and have a happy Christmas. Thanks for having me. Happy, happy Christmas yourself. Okay, coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to be checking in with the latest in jobs and the economy with James B. Huntington on WorkShift Live. Uh, but to get ready to talk about uh, jobs and economy and employment and wages and things like that, let's check in with some news about wages in Albany. 
New York State Legislature has introduced a bill to raise the salaries of senators and assembly members in the new year to $142,000. This would make them the highest paid state lawmakers in the nation. Karen DeWitt has more. Legislators' base salary is currently $110,000, though committee chairs and those in leadership posts make much more than that. The bill, introduced by the Democratic majorities in both houses of the legislature, could be voted on as early as Thursday. With the proposed raise of $142,000 a year, New York lawmakers would leapfrog over the highest-paid legislators in the nation. Right now, California's base pay for state lawmakers is just under $120,000 a year. Many legislators in New York City and surrounding areas have long argued that they need more money to keep up with the higher cost of living than in upstate regions. Legislative leaders have not spoken publicly about the measure, but earlier in December, Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty defended the idea of a pay raise. Me personally, I, you know, I believe that legislators need to be compensated for the hard work that they do. Uh, people don't realize that the sacrifice that they make being away from their families, uh, I don't think there's uh, you know, enough money in the world that could you know, compensate you from being Away from your Senate and Assembly posts are considered part-time. The legislature typically meets for just six full months a year. Many lawmakers consider it a full-time job, though, and they work in their districts when they're not in session. But others earn money through outside income, working in law firms or other businesses. Under the measure, outside income would be strictly limited to just $35,000 per year. There are exemptions for income earned by being a member of the military reserves, income from investments or capital gains, and money from a family business where the lawmaker is not directly involved in running the company. The provision would not take effect until 2025. Violations of that income limit would be a misdemeanor offense. Several former legislative leaders were convicted on federal corruption charges related to misuse of outside income, and some served prison terms. Governor Kathy Hochul is not raising any objections to the pay increase as long as it includes the limit on outside income. She also spoke earlier this month. That seems to be, if you're having a pay increase, that that would be something that I would think in the interest of transparency and accountability that people would expect. There are no provisions in the bill to raise the salary of the governor or any other statewide office holders. Hochul has said it might be too late in the year to add any new items to a special session, although some published reports say the governor has quietly proposed some changes to the state's controversial 2019 bail reform laws. Some Republicans who are in the minority in the legislature object to the pay raise proposal. They say with inflation and worries about the crime rate, it's not the time for lawmakers to be rewarding themselves with more money. Also, a coalition of government reform groups are objecting, saying the limits on outside income contain too many loopholes. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. You're listening to the Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. To get the news right, you need solid facts and sound perspectives. And you also need support. It takes all of us. Give to this NPR station right now. Radio Catskill was here for you through it all this year. 
We'll continue our dedication to a more informed community, but we can't do it without your support. Make your tax-deductible year-end donation now at WJFFradio.org before December 31st. Your support today leads to greater impact tomorrow. Right now on the local edition, it's time once again to go over the latest in jobs and the economy around our area, around the country. And for that endeavor, we turn to, once again, James B. Huntington for another edition of WorkShift Live. Hello, James. Good evening, Jason. Good evening, listeners. Well, James, can you feel it here? Like we're down to this is our next to last. This is our penultimate WorkShift Live of 2022. Yes, it's been a big year, a lot of news. <laughs> we we're we're heading headlong into uh uh the the Christmas weekend and I can't believe I'm even asking this. Can you can you actually send things tomorrow by FedEx, UPS, USPS and they'd actually arrive by Christmas? Yes, there are services available. They are not cheap, but they are thoroughly possible. If you want to use UPS, you can mail things next day air tomorrow, and they will arrive to the lower 48 states by Christmas, actually Saturday, Christmas Eve. FedEx has one-day freight extra hours, which you can use to mail tomorrow, and their same-day service would get you there by Christmas if you send it on Friday the 23rd, this coming Friday. As far as USPS, our regular post office, it's Priority Mail Express. You can send anything Friday, and it should get there by Saturday. So be aware that these things do not include any delays or lead times if you order things. These are for actually walking into the post office and getting the service. For that, check with the individual companies. But if they can use these service, if you're going to get something online, tonight would be a good idea and look at their terms because it is possible using all three of these carriers to send things tomorrow or even Friday and get them there by Christmas. You know, it seemed like we spent a couple of years, you know, in the 2020, 2021, where it was, it was tough getting things shipped on time. Even if you ship things weeks ahead of time, it was, there was major disruptions, uh, towards shipping, at least as far as these services go. It, are, are things better this year? Yes. Well, I'm not hearing any reports of unusual problems and such. It's always the holidays, but I think these carriers are better prepared than they were in some of the previous years over the last 10 or so. So it looks good. So expect everything to be there on time this year. Right, now let's take a look at some items about workplace news um, and, you know, people working at home, people working in the workplace, ongoing conversation that we've been having at the whole nation's having here. What about this? You know, there's always incentives for people to come to work in person. If that's what the employers want, they're looking for those incentives. What about pets? <laughs> are, are people now being allowed to bring their pets to the workplace? A lot of employers are starting to let people bring them in. It's getting more common now. At its worst, you may say that it's 
a device to get people to spend more time in the office, but it is getting people to be more comfortable. There even in one company here in Detroit, there are office cats, like, you know, library cats and such, and the old firehouse dogs, and they actually live there. So they're around. You're also allowed at some places to bring pets in the office, say, one day a week. It's it's a favorable kind of thing. We don't know how really widespread it is, but it is starting. They're getting to be more and more. We have, oh, 60% of executives are planning to give employers, as he put it, more flexibility when it comes to their pets once they return to the office. That's what the survey question said. So it's they provide entertainment, they relieve stress, they're a nice idea. Some of them are quite friendly and will walk up to employees as maybe even ones who seem to need the help the most. Cats can be awfully good at understanding those things. So... Look for this trend in 2023 and beyond. Mm. All I all I wonder about is the the coworkers who may have allergies. That's that's all I'm concerned. Yes, about. Yeah. well, that's one of the problems they'll have to work out. And yes, I mean, I have run into people who are very allergic to say cats. So I don't know. They can keep their doors closed if they have doors or something it may just have to be worked out and to see what the real problems are and aren't and then what about the folks who are working remotely uh is there any further challenges to their status as remote workers yes what i'm seeing here usa today article the title is will your remote job stay that way so We've had a lot of changes. One thing that we have not had in terms of remote and office things is any consistency over time or between employers. They're coming up with their own strategies. So we're, nobody knows for sure, even if you have a solid remote job now, if it will be like that in July. But we have some hints being offered here. One is to look at what the company's peers are doing look at what competitors are doing. Often it is divided up by industry with vastly different standards from one to another. One, keep an eye on the economy. If it we get it, if we do get into this perpetually forecasted recession, we may have employers using their advantage to ban things they don't like. And a lot of employers are are really pretty grouchy about people working from home whether they'll admit it or not. So that is an exposure. Three, be ready to compromise. Realize that we're hybrid work, hybrid. That word made the list, made an Oxford English Dictionary list of words of the year. It's so common. Hybrid work has been well established in the vocabulary as a mixture of working from home and going to offices. So realize that there may be shifts, there may be people moving from three to two or one day at home or that much in the office, depending on what's happening there. Four, show your worth even remotely, and that's realize realize that it can be more tempting to 
not work very hard or very long when you're at home. So offset that. Make sure you're getting the production. Make sure you're doing things on the job. And six, make an effort to stay connected. Be getting the maximum of FaceTime and such when you are in the office and such. Call them, talk with them, and make sure they realize you're there. It is still easy to be out of sight and out of mind when you're working from home, as well established it is. Offset that and make sure that you are in their minds when you are doing things. Okay, and now what about uh, gifts uh, between employers and employees? We're we're here at Christmas. There might be some holiday parties uh, still happening. People might be gifting in the workplace. What are what are some good gifts? What are some bad gifts in that scenario? Yes, there's quite a difference, and companies vary a lot in that in terms of how much they will give employers, if anything, for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And some of the ones that employers employees rather like the most are first gift cards especially general ones to amazon or some such things that they're going to be able to use tech tools things that can help people deal with technological items at home or in the office if they don't have things that can help a lot and really in a way the gold standard of gifts is paid time off if we go up If you decide that, say, one day next week you don't really need to have people in the office, if you have the kind of setting where the more people are gone, the less work that can really get done because it involves other people, then tell them. Then tell them, guess what, everybody gets Wednesday off for free. If you schedule a vacation, you'll get another day for free. That's really the gold standard. The things that are bad here are office decorating items so they're just too individual company swag things like someone mentioned here getting a mug for christmas mm-hmm. with the company's logo well that kind of thing if you're going to give it and do it boys don't even frame it as a gift just give it to them yeah, you could and give that's a good gift item. for a wednesday let alone a christmas you know like you give employees your branded stuff any day exactly and don't pawn it off as a christmas gift because it really isn't <laughs> Then you have office supplies, anything. Like if people are writing everything on the computer, they won't want fancy pens. Mm-hmm. And also, the, what causes real problem here is food. People eat different things these days. I mean, a vegetarian won't appreciate a turkey or a ham. A non-coffee drinker won't appreciate Nespresso pods and some things... People just don't like or won't eat. They're also, employees are well aware that things like that can cost far less than giving them, say, a $100 cash bonus or whatever. That's not lost on right. them. So take a look at what you're giving, and as far as what you're getting, realize that he, in these cases, you have a lot of company in how you feel about it. Well, James, we got about two minutes left to the segment here, and I'm thinking uh, these this next story that we've got isn't full on robot watch, but it's close. So I'm going to queue up the Kraftwerk computer world. 
because that's still appropriate, and ask you about artificial intelligence conquering the business world? Yes. Well, this is interesting. It's not the kind of thing that we might have expected a while ago where fully fleshed out robots or computer programs are able to take over entire jobs. It's kind of creeping. Mm-hmm. We have things where products such as BlenderBot that are able to make conversation and such, they're able to do more and more small tasks. Well, anything connected with forecasting, anything connected with routine communications with other people just checking in or whatever. And we have basic boilerplate-ish emails and ones that are not even so routine that computers can often generate and put together. So, yes, there may be more and more pieces of your job that can be handed over to AI now. And and realize, you don't, don't think that you're safe automatically because... A lot of the things you do obviously cannot be replaced by AI. They can combine jobs. You and the person next to you can be replaced by one person with the parts they're doing that are not suitable for AI being done by the human and the other halves of your jobs being done by AI, robots, algorithms, programs, and such. So... Yes. So we'll continue to keep a look on artificial intelligence and robots and jobs in the economy, and we'll check in next week for our last work shift live of the year. James B. Huntington, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, listeners. Okay, that's going to do it for the local edition tonight. Remember, we have special programming coming up tonight uh, at 7.30, live coverage of NPR of uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky addressing Congress. Uh, after that special coverage, we'll be getting into the Retro Cocktail Hours Christmas program, and we have a special uh, presentation from Trailer Talk coming up now. This is WJFF, Jeffersonville, W233AH, Monticello.